Welcome to Inspired Artist Podcast with me, Porter Singer. I'm speaking with Sangeeta Kaur today, aka Teresa Mai. And before we begin, let me remind you to rate and comment wherever you are listening to this podcast. It helps other people find it. So in this conversation with Sangeeta, we're going to talk about her recent projects and all of the things that are going through her head as she is on Catalina Island talking to me about, you know, COVID and creating an album during the social distancing era. I love talking with Sangeeta because she is always working on something really interesting and sort of different from what you would imagine her to be doing. It's always sort of out of the box and creative and fantastic and yet completely congruous with, you know, her mission on planet earth. So she has been working with, um, the singer from the band. Yes. John Anderson on something. She just recorded or just finished recording and released her latest album called Illuminance, which was produced by Peter Cater, who basically owns the new age category for the Grammys. He's won and been nominated for a ton of them is a really cool album and we're talking about kundalini yoga and you know the aftermath and how she's sort of processing it because I couldn't help but ask so here we go so tell me about um about your new album because you you just worked with uh Peter Cater which is super exciting yeah, so um, the album just released on August 28th, so it's been out for a good few weeks now, and um, it was one of those projects that we had planned since 2019, and we, you know, said, okay, so March, we're going to get together, and then we'll meet again in May, right? And then, like, we're going to do a bunch of concerts in the summertime to promote the album, and so then by March, all that was squashed. Sure. We couldn't do any of that. And so, um, you know, we really had to kind of re-plan and rethink how we're going to make it happen. And basically, we found some of the most amazing musicians who had their own studio set up. So then they were able to record their parts from their own studio. Um, we didn't have to get together. I mean, it would have been amazing if Peter and I at least could have gotten together more to write together. And mm-hmm. um, But you know what? We did it over Skype or FaceTime and Zoom. And, uh, you know, he'll sit at his piano, I'll sit at mine. And we just sort of, with even that little tad of delay, still we're, we were able to work and write together, which, you know, says it all. We can really do anything yeah um would I have preferred to have Peter in the room with me absolutely um but we were able to accomplish that and you know the process is really beautiful we didn't really have a, a set idea or a theme of the album at all because even whatever ideas we had I feel like the whole month of March when everything just all of a sudden shifted big time we both kind of, I just knew that the whole essence of the album was going to shift. Mm-hmm. Like, there was just no way it would be pre-COVID pandemic ideas anymore. You 
know, and um, I remember we couldn't really get into it that first month because we were so a bit disoriented. We had the sun, had to figure all of that out. And logistically, I had to figure it all of that out on my end. And when we finally got our grounds, we got together over um, FaceTime and we just powered through. I think once he started to get his ideas, they just kept flooding all these amazing, beautiful songs that he was bringing to the table. And then I was able to write myself. And it's just sort of like this moment we knew we, we had also a deadline and we were behind because of everything. But um, I think we both work really well under pressure. <laughs> so um, I feel like the music in itself kind of gave itself its own um, theme, right? I think I kept saying, what is the title? What What is the... What, what are we going for? And none of the songs ever had a pre-planned anything. Um, and when we were about 75% through writing, I listened to the songs and all I can feel was, wow, there is so much of this element of darkness merging into light. And it's just the word light kept coming to me. Okay, there's something to do with light, light, light. And obviously, like, we need to really bring that right now, all of us, right? And so the whole concept became later on phenomena that happen on the planet and not on the planet that create light in some way. So, like, I named one of the songs Stardust because it reminded me so much of like being out in space and seeing start is so gentle, it's so sweet. Um, another song I called it Supernova because it's like this really powerful, um, a lot of really powerful vocal lines in there and it just felt like an explosion of light to me. And so a supernova is that, it's like an old, the oldest star that at its death, it becomes its brightest, you know? And I just thought, wow, that like in itself has so much meaning. And, um, and so the title Illuminance came from that, you know, and I, for me, I really hoped that no matter who's listening to it, that it will inspire people to find their brightest light. And in this time, like, just, just be with that, you know, no matter what is going on inside, no matter what's going on around you, just try to connect to that light source within you because that's going to pull us through. I think yeah. that individually, but humanity on a planetary level, you know? Um, so it, I feel like the whole concept birthed itself through this, this time. Um, and then just working with Peter, he's, he's an exceptional, like genius musician, songwriter, some of these melodies that he came up with are like they're so up and down and all over the place and but they're so beautiful they're so emotional um and he is such an emotional being a very high sensitive mm -hmm. um and so i feel that's why when he improvises it comes so naturally to him you know i um, i just want to pause for a second because 
the I'm hearing you, but the dominant sound that I'm hearing is sort of like a kind of wind oh, kind no. of thing. And, really? and oh, no. it on the one hand, it's sort of a cool sound effect, but I'm I'm wondering if we could do a little better. Is is there any way you could put on headphones or um let me see if or I maybe if we did it just as a phone call and the phone were closer to your face it might not be so bad you know what that might be okay and then i'm gonna let me move inside toward a, a wall a little okay. bit too and see if that works hold on gotta get my okay. mask on. the whole get up <laughs> yeah it's a bit windy today yeah, I mean, as a sound effect, it's, it was very cool. <laughs> I was sort of toying with that, but you know, then I was saying it I, I, might be a little distracting because I do kind of want to hear what you're saying. <laughs> you know what? The sound of the wind is like up in the trees. Can you hear it? Less. Okay. Because it's not like right in the microphone. Yeah, I think I was, yeah, I think it was kind of just blowing through your microphone. It's literally like, look. That sounds nice. That sounds more like a background. That Okay. More, it was more sort of like a fighting for attention. Um, okay, awesome. Okay. So anyhow, um, now that we've handled the wind situation, <laughs> Um, yeah, in general, I just, you know, I feel like I, I learned so much from every producer that I work with. And Peter, Peter was the producer for the album Illuminans. And, um, it was, and he's also just really magnificent in the studio. He's super hyper detailed. And I love that mm -hmm. because sometimes when, like for you too, when you're in there mixing, there's so many elements to listen to. And also you as a vocalist, you're kind of wanting to make sure vocals feel good, feel balanced. Mm -hmm. But having him there, you know, he's so detailed with the um, arrangements and making sure that the, the balance is there. And there's a lot going on in every album. As simple as you try to make it, mm -hmm. there's still so much happening. <laughs> um, yeah, and we worked with some really beautiful, beautiful souls. Um, Mark Gorman, he's He's recorded on every album I've put out, and he also recorded on this one. And he's just did a beautiful job. Um, can you hear all those people behind me? Yeah, <laughs> that's like a new issue. It's okay. It's better than than the wind. <laughs> yeah. Wait. Hold on. Let me see if I can move over here. We'll find the right spot. <laughs> okay. That might be better. Um, That's good. Yeah. I don't know if you know um, MB Gordy, the uh, percussionist. Mm -mm. Um, he is part of Opium Moon, and I've, I've worked with him many times in the past, and he's just a phenomenal Didn't percussionist. They, was that the... Was that the group that won a Grammy? Yeah, that's the group that won a Grammy Last two, year. years two years ago. Two years ago? And um, so he played on this album as well. And then we had the renowned cellist, Tina Guo, who is just so phenomenal and blows me out of the water. She, you'll have to check her out online, Tina Guo, G-U-O. 
oh, she's just a beautiful powerhouse on the cello, and she's worked with Hans Zimmer, um, and, and done a lot of film score and tours with him, and she's just exceptional, and absolutely gorgeous. Um, so, you know, we've just, we had so much fun, even though no one was there mm -hmm. with us. <laughs> But every time we would get a file in the inbox, it felt like Christmas, you know, like. So everybody next? had their own home studios? Everyone and... had their own oh, cool. home studio. Yeah, it was just too early, I feel, to get everyone in a studio. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't too comfortable and I, I didn't think anyone else would be. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just too early. This was like back in May. Yeah. So we kept it as um, social distance recording sessions as possible. Yeah. How do you yeah. feel about that? I kind of prefer to be in my home studio and I feel like other people might feel cozy in theirs. I, you know, I, I don't mind that. <laughs> I, I, that? well, obviously like during this time, I've never um, recorded so much at home before like I've done I had to do so many scratch vocals and again it's usually I'm with my producer and we're maybe working in his studio you know but this is the first time I was doing everything in my own mm -hmm. and I do have to say it is very comfortable because you're just with yourself you can make all the adjustments you need to make it the sound comfortable for you and so then your performance is better. Mm -hmm. So even my scratch vocals, I really love them mm -hmm. because it's just a totally different environment and a totally different vibe. Um, so there is something to say. And for that, I, I finally did it and invested in one of my favorite microphones because yes, I okay, figured, yeah, I, you know yeah. I want to be able to do this more and yeah. to give um, really high quality um, recordings if we yeah. had to use something from home. Yeah, that's what yeah. I did for for um, my album minus eight. Um, ah. I tried to record some of the vocals in the studio. It was around. I mean, the studio was around the corner, so it was like. <laughs> you know, but um, but I just didn't like recording in a studio. Um, it's different, right? Yeah. Like it's like the vibe. I mean, yeah. Even I though, know. even though you know, it's I you know I felt really comfortable with the producer. It was a really nice environment. Yeah, I just don't, I really prefer to be able to just do it when I'm feeling like it as opposed yeah. to like when I scheduled it. But I, exactly. I know you schedule everything. So I'm, I'm I have to schedule. <laughs> I know. <laughs> as far as like recording, yes, in the studio, we have to schedule everything. It's just that way. Um, and I know what you mean, because you schedule it, but maybe that day you're not actually feeling your best. Mm -hmm. You're not 100%, but because it's scheduled, you just kind of have to go in and, yeah. and, and like work a little harder to tap in. Yeah. You know? Um, but then, but then for me, I'll just really get inspired by the music, by just all of that. And of course, like studio microphones are so exceptional and like you just enjoy it so much. Mm -hmm. Um, that it doesn't take me too long to get warmed up into it. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a different thing. I mean, I, and I suppose too, like, I'm not sure if you're used to doing pseudo live sessions with musicians where you have like a couple of different instruments in the studio together and that does make it yeah. different. But I feel like if you're just overdubbing, you know, why not yeah. have everybody in their own home? 
yeah in my you know from my perspective yeah i think it's a it's it's always a great option what i did find though and i and maybe it's because i've been working with um gerhard yost who's been my engineer for the last five years and he's so um detailed oh I lost so, sorry you. no 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 you, you're i'm uh, subtly oh. trying to tell my son to go back in his room <laughs> <laughs> If you see any more lip, if you see any more lip movement with no sound, that's going what's on. going on. We'll so continue. Um, what what we did find though, and and it's because Gerhard, I just love this man so much. He's he's really an exceptional engineer. He's hi, babe. <laughs> hi, oh, what a handsome boy. Yeah, you hi. you can see. You want to say hi and then go. Yeah, he's has scissors. Yeah. <laughs> And tape. Wow. <laughs> what are you making? Trying to make a base for all the ice cream. Okay. Can you go make a base for all the ice cream and close my door, please? Thank you. That is sweetheart. <laughs> yeah, we've been making a lot of pretend food out of cardboard, which is just so, it's, it's actually really fun. <laughs> oh, man. Because yes, we can't you're, go outside um, here. Is the air so bad? Yeah, the air is really bad here. Yeah, but it, oh, it was where it was where you are too. It's just it's cleared up. Yes. And, yeah, it's clearing up. Um, definitely on the mainland, all of the coast over there, it was really bad. And um, my friend finally texted me today and said, "Hey, I could see your apartment now. It's been weeks. I couldn't see it because it was wow. so thick and brown in the sky." been coming out to Catalina um we actually got a lot of the smoke out here oh okay yeah it, it washed out to show to the ocean um I think our air quality was like 158 at one point and yeah. just gets kind of locked in the hills so you couldn't run too far from it unfortunately but I, I mean I really hope it's gonna clear up and the fires are just gonna be put out by rain <laughs> yeah we're expecting some rain in the next couple of days it's funny our, our ours was like in the high 200s yeah it was like the worst air quality on planet earth a few days yeah. ago which which i thought was really interesting because that's always something that i've heard about like new delhi my yeah. um, when you land there that like the air quality is so is so bad and i was like oh you can you can see it before you land <laughs> exactly exactly you know, I think this year is a little bit crazy. I've never seen it spread up north into the northern states and then inland so much before. I'm just used to sort of these California fires, but I've never seen it go up so high into the continent. Yeah, yeah. Really crazy. It's yeah. like half a third of the United States is on fire. Well, and you know, it's, it, I mean, not funny, but I, I don't remember it because as a child, I was in Malibu when there, mm -hmm. there was like two sets of pretty severe fires and we had to evacuate, mm -hmm. but I don't ever remember the air being bad. Being so bad. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I have no idea what is happening. This year is just very interesting. <laughs> It, it's almost like it, it I feel like it, it, it's almost a sense of like 
all right, you know, bring yes. it on. Like, yeah. what's what next? Else? What else do you <laughs> the want to challenge The aliens are coming with? soon if they're not already here, you know? Exactly. I don't know. And maybe the aliens are coming to actually save us. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, well, they I mean, definitely, they definitely have some information. Yes, they do. Yeah. So what a year it's been. I mean, so much upheaval. So much transformation for people. I mean, this is like, I wonder if numerology wise, is the earth in like a year five of change and transformation or something? Huh. It's just, it's so wild. Well, I heard that, you know, at the beginning of the year, everyone was saying it was like 2020, that, you know, the year of clarity, like because of yeah. vision, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, so when I heard that, I was like, oh, it's going to be like, you know, something much more heaven is going to yeah. open up, you know, <laughs> it's going to be heavenly, right? Yeah. Oh no. It so, feels yeah. like the total opposite. Yeah. yeah. But it's, but yeah. it, I feel like it's, it's like the, this it's like always been here, but we haven't, we've just been pushing it down and pushing exactly. it down. And like, you know, it's the, the exactly. Pandora's box that we needed Absolutely. to be dealing with. Yeah. Absolutely. It's all of the avoidance and, you know, um, ignoring, you know, what's happening on our planet and the things that we're not doing right. Mm -hmm. You know, we're just being shown, okay, it's time now to really, to really act. Um, yeah, it's wild. I don't know. I don't know what the next year, a couple of years is going to look like for us. Yeah. Who knows? It's a whole, yeah. it's a whole new paradigm. It is. Like. We've, we've already began. Yeah. We've already began. And we thought like the beginning of the Aquarian age was going to be something. <laughs> <We're> <laughs> right. like, what age are we what, in now? We're going to be in like our long flowy dress, dresses and our flower crowns. <laughs> that would be so lovely. <laughs> Yeah. Well, oh, gosh. you can still dress up indoors, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, you've had to homeschool. Were you, wait, were you always homeschooling? Was that, is this not I, new? Well, yeah, I, I had been homeschooling um, until we moved to Washington and then I put the boys in school in <laughs> February. Oh God! And then six weeks later, they they were home again. But oh yeah. no, I kind of, I like them being home. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm. I mean, only because they mostly do their own thing. Like if yeah. I had to like coordinate activities for them all day, I would. You know, that would not be. Yeah. Something that I would want to do, but because they are so used to being home, they like do really do their own thing a lot. Yeah. That's amazing. So, yeah. Did they like being in school for those six weeks? Uh, the younger one did and the older one did not. Mm. Yeah. He, it was overwhelming probably. He just, Amrit Ansher has never liked to participating in group activities. I see. So that was a little rough. Um, but yeah. he, he did like, he did do well. Mm -hmm. Um, but the younger one loves being part of group activities and being told what Aww. to do. So he loved that. Um, he just didn't like having to wake up early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who does? <laughs> so yeah. there might be some, you know, there might be some schooling in his future. But, um, mm. but for right now, I mean, I got an email that was like, you know, 
welcome, you know, welcome back to, to school. We're doing it all online. I was like, well, that's silly. I'll just like, why I'll just do it myself. I don't do want to, yeah, exactly. have to like turn stuff in and be in school myself. Exactly. So, yeah. And then have them having to sit through, I don't know at their age, do they have to do the whole zoom thing and yeah, they have to online. be on calls. And I mean, that's yeah. Try to get your little ones to sit for a group call. Really? <laughs> Yeah, crazy. Yeah, they were tr they were trying to do that through his preschool, through like Crembeyant's preschool, and I was like, no way! Like, I'm not, yeah. I'm not sitting through it. <laughs> but you know what? And it makes sense yeah. for those who don't are not used to having their kids in home homeschool for sure. But for because sure. of the fact that majority of their lives yeah. they were homeschooled, so yeah, it's it's not that big of a um, yeah. surprise or a shock for you, which is for amazing. Sure. Well, I yeah. think too, like the kids, if you've been raised in an environment where you're like, all right, kids, now we're doing this. And suddenly yeah. the kids like, what are we doing now? You know, yeah. whereas my children was like, all right, see you mom. You know, <laughs> I'm, off, I'm off to the backyard or like to play my game or, you know, whatever. So I'm going to go explore nature. <laughs> yeah. It, it's a, it's a different thing at our house, but but yeah, I, I totally, it's beautiful. Totally it's beautiful. That. I wouldn't know. I don't have children yeah. yet, or I don't know if ever, <laughs> but I do, I do love children so much. I do have to say, I, I feel like I turn into a little baby around babies. Like I want to just play. Like I want to, you know, when I'm out in the water, I want to jump in the water with them. I want to go play on my paddleboard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's so nice. I mean, you have so many children in your life. Like it's nice being yes. that in, in that aunt role because yeah. it's like all the fun without the responsibility. Exactly. What a great way to interact with kids. I can hang out. I'll come to Washington and I'll hang out with your kids. You and your husband go take a break. Oh, I'm you. a really good babysitter. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing is like, there are no COVID babysitters. <laughs> At least not that I'm ever. Yeah. Right. But yeah. so what, what are you like, what does your COVID life look like? right now and because you uh, have all that touring planned I know so yeah you know um so I guess the cat is out of the box a little bit here but um in addition to the album that I, I did with Peter simultaneously I was recording music um with John Anderson and so I don't know oh, if you know wow. who, is, who records Fiona Apple He's, he's, about? he's from, um, he's of the band. Yes. No. Wait, who, who am I thinking of? That's John Bryant. Anderson, Anderson. John Anderson. He's, he's, um, the lead singer of yes. Oh, you were telling me, you know, I think you were telling me about this. Um, and you weren't, and you didn't disclose who it was. Yeah. Because think, okay. at the time we were still, and this was way back in February that we were talking. So we were still, you know, working it out. And then when we finally worked it out, you know, all this happened, but it didn't stop me. We went ahead and, and began recording. So I've recorded um, two songs that he had written that he'll be duetting on. And then we have several more songs that I'll be recording. Um, but it's just been amazing, too. He's, he is an absolute magical artist and, you know, exploring his music and singing his music has been so much fun like 
his music is so innocent, so pure, but it's still like pop rock-ish, new age-ish. I don't even know, you know, what genre they even put them in because it's so eclectic. Cool. And, um, and so, you know, in July, I was recording music for John and the plan before the lockdown was that we were going to do a 40 city tour starting October. And that would have gone all through 2021. So I was supposed to be really busy next mm -hmm. month. Um, but then obviously it's not happening. And but we wanted to get the music going because this would have been songs that would have segued my, um, my set into his, that we would perform together. I would do a few of the songs that he wrote for me and then he would do his set. And it would have been just so much fun. <laughs> That's so cool, though. What a cool collaboration. Yeah. So was I that going to be like music. an album that he was going to put out with you as a featured artist or an album that you were going to put out with him as a featured artist? You know, originally we thought we thought to just kind of record music together or he would write songs for me and then mm -hmm. I would release them as singles starting in 2021 or end of 2020. Mm -hmm. And never, I never really thought about doing an album or like a full album. You know, you just, I don't know, but now that we seem to have so much more time, um, there's a possibility I'll be doing more songs than it may just be an album. It would be, it would, I don't know what it would look like. I think it would be a Sangeeta album um, produced, written by John Anderson something like that mm -hmm. or, and also featuring John Anderson. I don't know because it's, it's his music, mm -hmm. you know, or maybe it's like, Sankita, you know, something in honor of John Anderson. I don't know. Yeah. Um, he's just an incredible, incredible artist and his voice. Like if you haven't heard much of his music, his voice is very unique. Well, I, I was just looking it up on Spotify, so I've obviously heard a lot of his music. Um, yeah. But, yeah, wasn't uh, – it? the name didn't strike Yeah, first, yeah. But, yes, absolutely. I've definitely heard um, that. It's just really – I mean, his, his voice is very much iconic, and it's like it, – we call it, you know, like a, an alto voice. Or even some people say soprano voice, but it's not quite that range. But it's it's a brighter male voice, mm -hmm. and his range. I mean, he's like way up there, way down here. Easy, you know. It's really impressive, mm -hmm. impressive to hear him. And even now, he's in his seventies, and he still wow. sounds incredible. <laughs> like it's. I hope I sound really good when I'm seventy. It's like he's never aged. His voice yeah. just doesn't age. Yeah. Yeah, That's he's really a really, cool. really beautiful human as well. I remember Joan Baez saying that with age, everything starts to drop. <laughs> <laughs> so you lose like the higher range. But I think she was saying like, you have to like, you know, make sure to use it or it's yeah. going to like, you know. So I assume oh, yeah. if you're singing, you're not going to. Yeah, as long as you're still, you know, exercising those muscles for that upper range and doing your vocalese, especially mm -hmm. when you are getting older, to not yeah. stop doing the exercises and just keeping it moving. It's like 
it's like that 90 year old woman who still does all those yoga asanas. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just, right. For sure. It's, it's the same. Singing is like, it's like yoga. It's acrobats. <laughs> One second. <laughs> I got a present. Um, yeah, we'll see what it is. Um, I'm curious because uh, you contacted me right after the, uh, the, I don't know, the, the whole waterfall explosion. Of, <laughs> waterfall of Kundalini Yoga. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sort, sort of happening. I wonder how. I just like to check in with people who are kind of part of that community to kind of see how they're processing, you know, everything. I know, I know. You know, it's, there's some things that were so, um, I feel with synchronicity in a way that I didn't realize until after the fact and, and all, but, um, I was kind of in denial at first when I started first to like, hear little things and I said oh gosh okay I don't know there's always so many crazy people who've, who've, who've always been trying to um, I guess if you want to just say it destroy the practice and destroy the lineage and yogi vision and you know I didn't start practicing kundalini yoga until 2009 and so okay. I That's I've never I did, I think. Or, really? or around when I did yeah okay yeah so then, you know, we both never personally met Yogi Fashion. Um, but like, I'm like you, I think we both really felt the power in the practice, the transformation. I know how much it shifted my life and, and everything. Um, but also coming from the Tibetan Buddhist background, you know, I've always been taught and told it's always about the teachings and not the teacher. And even the living teachers will say that to you because they know that they're also here still working out karma, right? And so, you know, even the Dalai Lama would say, you know, whatever I'm telling you, don't just go and believe it, figure it out, do your research, study, practice it, do it and see if it, if, if you experience it and if you if you feel what I feel then go with it um, but don't just listen to something and believe it right away without actually doing the exploration and so that's always been a really strong foundation for me so no matter what I practiced um, I always had that ingrained in my mind and of course like through the years it makes with that in your mind you you also see and feel that in your life in everything you know in in the in kundalini yoga we always say qualify qualify everything qualify your thoughts qualify what you're about to say before you're gonna say it things like that so i felt like for me i always tried really hard to qualify everything and um when i was practicing when i do practice kundalini yoga and when i'm teaching kundalini yoga i i always Remember, I'm teaching something that is ancient. Um, these asanas, whether Yogi Bhajan had kind of formulated the Kriyas himself or not, a lot of these practices are a part of something that's old and ancient and sacred anyway, right? And 
for me, it transformed my life in combination of practicing Tibetan Buddhism. I never felt anything negative for me. And I can understand there's some teachers who have questioned if this is all true, if this is all a lie, am I hurting my students then while teaching? You know, what, like, what am I supposed to do now? This is my life. This is everything I know. You know, I, I haven't, and I don't think I'll ever feel that way because I feel like as long as you're teaching, if you are holding the intention for those who are practicing with you to have a positive experience, then I feel that that is enough. Because if even in the Kundalini Yoga teaching, say it's the teacher, that you are the one that's like channeling. So if you are really holding in your heart to benefit them in that moment, then I feel like that's, that's your perception. That is your projection. And that's what can actually manifest, you know? And in, I mean, this is not the first time that we've heard all of this kind of situation in teacher and lineage and such. Um, and we just have to remind ourselves that we're all human. We are all human as long as we're in this body, no matter how divine our souls are, <laughs> no matter where our souls have been, no matter how many lifetimes we have lived, you're still here, I'm still here, Yogi Bhajan was still here. And so we are going to have the humanness in us. And that's why we have to remember it's the teachings, not the teacher. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I don't believe in bad mouthing anybody because we will never know. We will never know ourselves unless, yes, we've had direct contact and experience, no matter in this situation or not. But I just, you know, um, it's hard to like blame and point fingers when, when I personally don't know. And again, it's my own personal projection and karma that I am hearing and seeing and experiencing that other people have these experiences. So yet it's something for me to know that within my own consciousness, there's something that is like an impurity that still needs um, to be purified in a way. And this could have been from this lifetime or other lifetimes that it's coming up in this way. And in general, this whole year is like a massive purification on the most subtle, subtle levels in each of our beings, mm -hmm. you know, and for each and every one of us, we're going to experience it differently. So it's, it's really hard for me in, in any sense, in any situation to just point fingers and say, you're the bad guy, you're the bad guy, you're terrible, yeah. you're terrible. Like we yeah, just, yeah. they say, turn the finger around and it's, it's here because it's our, it's our karmic projections, you know, it's our stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, not to say in the illusion that's happening, what we're hearing and seeing those stories, those situations are not okay. Right. In any case, whether it be spirit in a spiritual setting or not, mm -hmm. but this is something that we know that it's not okay. Um, it's, but it's, it's living in our consciousness. And so we know that it's not okay. And those are the things that we're trying to like purify within our own consciousness, our own right. bodies, our own minds, our own experiences. Right. right? So it's, um, it's a tricky thing when we do live in this world of duality and we feel like 
everything that's happening is separate of us when it's truly not. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where I guess like, no matter what is going on, this is where the compassion comes from. And this is where we have to find more compassion. Like, yes, we're projecting all of these things. We need to have compassion for those who have been affected and also in a sense, compassion for ourselves, knowing that, well, I'm seeing this because I probably did that myself in another lifetime is why I'm even seeing it or hearing mm-hmm. about it. You know, it's, um, it's a really profound concept, but I, I feel like we kind of understand this. We know this and it's just about embodying it and remembering like we can't keep on pointing fingers and blaming, right? It's, it's something for each and every one of us to work out. Yeah, I, it, it was interesting because initially when I, when I heard rumors of it, I wasn't really practicing that much. So it wasn't, it didn't feel that personal, but my friend encouraged me to read the Premka book. Yeah. And that just like blew my mind. Yeah. Um, but at that point, I really wasn't practicing Kundalini yoga that much, if at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't difficult for me to just go right. like, okay, well, I, what does it matter? But I, I had been singing mantras that, you know, he may or may not have made up. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I put out this post that was like, you know, I, I won't be writing music to any more, you know, Kundalini yoga. Yeah. I saw the post. Yeah. But it really got me thinking. I was like, okay, so I'm, I'm okay with singing mantras that Guru Nanak wrote. How do I know what he did in his life? (laughs) You know, who, who who was he as a human being? I have no idea. I, you know what Jesus was. So like, I can't check the integrity of every single person. I have to just kind of go with like, I liked this. So yes. I, I wrote music to it, you know? Yes, exactly. And I just, that's where I feel this is where we would be depriving ourselves. If it feels right for you, if it shifts you in the most beautiful, bright, positive way that all you want to do is to just love everybody up after it's in my opinion, it's okay. It's good. And yeah, you can go check up on Guru Nanak. You can go check up on all these teachers in, in our history, but you probably will for sure find something. And why? Again, because they lived on this planet in this human body. Absolutely. You know, yeah. I mean, look at the show, story with Bikram and Osho. And I mean, like how much did they benefit people's lives, but how imperfect they were as humans. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether they themselves really knew how imperfect they were, but when they stood there to teach, they, they completely went to a different space, mm-hmm. you know? And when I look back and I see some of Yogi Bhajan's videos, there are moments that I do capture that when I feel like, Oh, he's not really even present in his body. Mm-hmm. Right. It's when he is present in his body was present in his body was probably when he was making these awful actions and judgments mm-hmm. um it's yeah, even for myself i'm like okay when i teach when i'm singing 
I feel like I tap into a completely different space. And I really, I luck into more of that divine side of, of Sangeeta. Mm-hmm. Then I, I step away and I live my life. And I, and I do feel like I, I live a conscious, pure life. At the same time, oh, I know my humanness. I know those things that go on in my head. I know the things that I want to say and I have to stop myself. I know when I get triggered, like that is the human in me that I'm just like, well, Mm -hmm. hmm. (laughs) yeah, okay. I still got so much to work on. Right. Well, and I think that part of not giving somebody that much power has to do yes. just acknowledging that whatever you're getting from them is because you were ready to hear it. So I yes. think about like, if I'm at Target and the cashier says something that like, you know, is some epiphany to me and, and it, you know, it happens like you're in conversation with people all the time and you're like, Oh my gosh, I just got this great idea. Or this just yeah. occurred to me. Wow. I'd never thought of this that way. Like I don't go, Oh my God, I now worship the Target cashier, you know? Yeah, like, exactly. I, it, it's like, it's human interactions that you were ready for. And so yes. it's normal. Like, yeah. Cause I don't see myself as the perfect teacher, you know, at all. And so I know to be so careful of how I say things and sometimes not to say too much, mm-hmm. you know, and just be, be present and be open. And I don't know, sometimes at some point, the humanness and some teachers like Yogi Bhajan, they may just get too personal, say mm-hmm. too much, and then it's it's not that total divine space anymore, you know. Um, but we have to be so aware. Yeah. And you know, someone said to me years ago, they said, "Be careful. It's hard to be a teacher because your energy attracts similar energies, or like your." history, things that you have over had overcome, you may attract those who need to overcome those things that you once did, because now you're like a master at that issue that you can actually help somebody overcome it. And so you'll be drawing in that type of um, um, students, Mm -hmm. those type of students, but also to always remind them that you're just there to share something and that you are not necessarily their teacher. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That yeah. they have to figure this stuff out on their own and to like empower them because once they come, like they have this perception and then this expectation and then this thing that you have to live up to, which then maybe you, maybe not, or you may transform and never be that as what they expect you to be. And so a lot of people fall into the trap of living up to something that is not them or no longer them. Mm-hmm. You know, and then it becomes sort of this weird, false energy situation, um, and it doesn't do anyone good. Yeah. So it's really important to always, when I hear someone say, follow me and only me, and if you don't, then you're not, we're going to have a good life. Mm-hmm. I already know I'm checking out. That's right. not okay. Right. A teacher should never say, I'm the one that's going to liberate you. Yeah. You know, it, I, I just, that I don't believe in. Yeah. Yeah. It, I feel like that was not ever said, but given the instructions that he gave to people, I feel like that was kind of the undercurrent. I think um, so. I think so too. But what's... What, and, and especially if you read the book, it was a lot of that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of explained. Yeah. There was this great podcast that Shubba did. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's called the one podcast he did with Philip to slip. It's so, it's so great because Philip goes into like the history of yoga in the United States from the 1920s onward. I mean, it's, it's really like an epic podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that I thought was so brilliant about it is he brought up this, this concept that like Yogi Bhajan actually had this symbiotic relationship with his students where he, they were expecting him to teach certain things. And so he yeah. looked up to that and then it sort of just like, there you go. Forward. You know? There you go. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just, it becomes a trap for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Which you could see in, um, in his relationship with his students later on, it was, it was almost like, my God, I've like, I've, you know, I've given them so many, you have to do this. I and know. I have to freaking live up to it. And I hate my life, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but I saw that in this, in this documentary, um, I think it was called the source family uh-huh. it was about a cult that was actually, he was a student of Yogi Bhajan and was like, I'm going to make my own cult. Um, <sighs> but he, that actually happened to him and you could see it in the documentary. He was just like, yes. I don't want to live this anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I changed and my mind. <laughs> yeah. And when my friend had made that point, I thought, Oh my gosh. Yes. So I was always very, very careful to remind students, look, we're, we're here together. We are, you and I are totally equal. <laughs> You're going to teach me today as much as I'll teach you. Right. So, um, there's no, there's no teacher, but each other. That's it. You know, we're equal on that level. Yeah. It's, um, and if you think about in our history, the teachers that did run into that problem, they got big. They were all very big, very famous, had their own thing. And they want, they just, in a way, I feel like lost themselves in that empire. Yeah. And then it became about material wealth and all that. And it, like once that happens you already know there's something wrong when when one gets so powerful and they enjoy too much the material world Mm -hmm. you know it's already um something impure Mm -hmm. there's also this this sort of um artificial certainty i think Mm -hmm. that you know it's like somebody is just certain about everything Mm-hmm. That used to make me feel really at ease because I was like, oh my gosh, finally. Tell me, tell me, answers. tell me. Yeah. But now I'm like, no, that's, that's, you've like stopped learning. That's, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you never stop learning, right? Yeah. No matter how great, grand, powerful the teacher you are, again, it goes back to that. We're still human and we're not going to stop learning until the day we die or leave this body. And I mm-hmm. think even Yogi Bhushan had his moment. I can only imagine, mm-hmm. you know, he yeah. probably felt, he said so himself in, um, I think it was a documentary that Hari Jeevan had put together that was pretty mm. controversial in, mm-hmm. in itself, but it was, you know, he did say that I have given you everything and this is how you treat me. <laughs> you know, it's like in his mind, yeah, he probably did give everybody everything he got. Mm. Mm-hmm. and more. Mm-hmm. Um, but it didn't always come from a pure source, possibly. Yeah. 
and, and, and reasoning. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, that's an inch. It's hard for me to sort of like crawl into the mind. Yeah. <laughs> I have a, I'm a Scorpio moon. So like, <laughs> yeah, we got, like for me, I'm like, I need to go in there. <laughs> yeah. So you, you kind of feel like you get, I mean, it, because the psyche behind yeah. it all, but yeah. then it makes me at least, like I said, I, I, I cannot reprimand somebody or like point fingers at them because you see the sadness and the brittle and the humanness, the lost being inside of all of that. Mm -hmm. And well, for whatever reason, it just got deeper and deeper in that dark space. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was part of Premka's or, you know, Pamela uh, Dyson's book too, where when she leaves in the book and he, he gets really, he like, you know, begs her to stay. Like he's terrified. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I, that was, that was a really interesting moment for me in, in reading. The yeah. I, I, cause I'd never seen, I mean, the very, book, very I'd, I'd human, never seen right? Any of those ways. Right. Like I didn't yeah. know any, so yeah, it was, yeah. it was very human and it, it gave you kind of like a window into maybe what was going on for him. Yeah. He's trying to like maintain this thing that he's created and he's afraid right. of losing it, you know? Yeah, exactly. So. Exactly. Ah, I know. Strategies. <laughs> very much. Very much. Yeah. And that in itself is not, it's not divine when you want power, right? you know, it's not about benefiting all beings. You know, it's not about being like what the Buddhists teach. It's not about being the Bodhisattva. You're really out there trying to truly help somebody without wanting anything. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know, just all these little things to ponder on. Mm -hmm. but, yeah. well, one of the things that I think is really positive about all of this is that <laughs> we are, you know, we're realizing that we cannot look to other people to be the best version of ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah. I so agree. And didn't you feel this kind of happening even several years back? Like, I don't know. It was like really a big blow for me when all of the golden bridges started to close down like um oh yeah yeah because that's where i started that's um, where i started yeah. that's where a lot of us started mm -hmm. and so the la one closed down and then the new york one closes down and a part of me just was like oh wow this is depressing this is crazy this is where you know it started for me in this practice and but it was the up part of it i realized was oh my god but we all needed to break free of something that was very comfortable mm -hmm. and teachers are the Aquarian teachers who were like really fiery and like kind of tell you what's right, what's good, what's not sort of personalities. And it was just time to hold on. <laughs> it was time that we all needed to free ourselves and become what they've always taught your own teacher, mm -hmm. you know, and empower yourself and, and to take away the training wheels and go out and, and teach what you've learned and go out and be the individual, mm -hmm. you know, um, 
And I, and I saw that when that was happening, because what did happen was a lot of people left and they created their own thing. You know, a lot of people left, didn't have that home anymore. They had to recreate something for themselves, which then empowered them. Yeah. 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 You know, so it was already sort of happening. Mm -hmm. I didn't expect this, but (laughs) yeah. 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 It was, yeah, it was interesting. It was around, I think it was around that same time where I started to practice less and the people around me were being a lot more lenient with their head coverings and, you know, practice other things. And yeah, I remember going to, cause so same thing after they closed down, I stopped going so much to classes. I was going to Rama cause it's so close by. Um, I was going to Rama here and there, and then I just started to go to studios less and less, practicing on my own more and more, Um, but it just, when I finally came back one day, like months later, it felt like a completely different thing. I didn't recognize anyone anymore. I didn't recognize anyone anymore. You know, the head covering thing was very free. Um, clothing was very, like, colorful and lots of back to, like, black. And <laughs> just, like, and then I realized, wow, all right, this is, like, a modern-day Kundalini Yogi. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and so it is, right? Yeah. But um, I just stopped going to studios more and more because it felt, it was, it was, it just felt right. It wasn't even necessarily a choice. It just kind of started happening mm-hmm. that way. Yeah. You know? Smooth transition. Yeah. Anyhow, I well, think, yeah. I think it all in all, it's, it's potential for all of us. Whoops. Did I lose you? Sorry. Oh yeah. I lost your video, but you're good. It's potential for all of us to grow and to shape into something um, bigger, brighter, more empowered, more clear, making our own choices, our own decisions, you know, um, being all that we were really taught to be. And maybe this is in an illusion, a delusion, um, an unfortunate perception that is meant to be there to shift us to where we are now and where we're going, you know? Well, I really like that as a, as a final thought. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for doing this again. Yeah. Thank you so much. Some time out of your day in Catalina. Yeah. My, my aunt just arrived. Oh, hi. <laughs> perfect timing. <laughs> yeah. Perfect timing. All right. Well, I'll let you go. Um, tell everyone how they can find out more about you and your new album. And I'll include that in the podcast description. Yeah. Um, so you can find Illuminance anywhere streamable. So Tidal, Spotify, Amazon, um, iTunes, Apple Music, and my website, sangeetakarmusic.com. Um, my YouTube channel, at sangeetakarmusic. If you want to follow me on Instagram, also at sangeetakarmusic. Cool. All right. Well, have fun with your family. Thank and, uh, you. I'll talk to you so soon. Good. 
Thank you for listening to our podcast, Inspired Artists. Please remember to subscribe and rate the podcast wherever you're listening. It helps other people find it. Thanks.